Hi there, this is Michael Lawler, naturopath and acupuncturist, and this is the We Thrive podcast, where we discuss the latest health topics and how we can take control of our own health and well-being. Because we believe that when you take control of your own health, you can live well, live happily, and live long. Well guys, what a year 2020 was. I'm sure there's been a lot of change in all of our lives, and some of it's not so good, and well, some for the better. I'm really so interested to hear stories of people coping with real dilemma in their lives and coming out the other end in a better place sometimes. Stories of exploration, of finding a truer path and a meaning, changing work situations, I mean sometimes 360 degrees. It seems like this pandemic, well it's released a lot of movement and change. Change that has been bottled up or maybe forgotten about. Well, change or even suppressed due to the new challenges of everyday life um, and life before this. I have my own theory on this, and I believe it has something to do with choice. If you think about it, pre-pandemic, we had the choice to do and go wherever we pleased, to buy what we wanted, to holiday where we chose. But right now, those choices have diminished, and for some, well, they're really non-existent. I believe this has led to a great change because... I think when you have too many choices, you spend your time going from one to the other and back again, constantly indulging, and more often than not, in just small bite-sized chunks, a bit here and a bit there. But when choice is restricted, we we have much fewer options, and the wandering mind now has a break put on it. This will inevitably lead to less mental arithmetic, less unnecessary thinking, and a chance to do a little more be a little more connected with the real world and not the imagined one that we have in our minds. I mean, it's our own personal TV show where we are the star. I guess for myself, if I think about it, I've definitely noticed a change. I find that at times I'm more in contact with nature, which I love, but I'm just so much more in contact with it now. It seems more aware of what's going on around me. I'm noticing trees, uh, plants, flowers, noticing uh, you know wild animals now and sounds that I wouldn't have before. Now when I drive anywhere, I'm noticing the journey more and not just the getting there. You know, I could drive from A to B and not know how I got there. Now it seems that I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of the actual experience. Washing the dishes, the dreaded dishes, now seems to be a less of an eye-gouging-out experience than it was, and I actually enjoy it. Well, in measure, of course. Who can enjoy it all the time? Um, I've rediscovered my love of reading, non-medical textbooks, I've just a plethora of medical textbooks that I can't seem to get my head out of, and now I'm going back to reading novels. Uh, I think with less choices, we're thrown into a situation where we have no other choice, and this can be liberating. Choice is a wonderful thing, and I'm really looking forward to getting back some of mine, but I'm hoping that I don't lose this new shift. I really hope it stays around. I think if I was to have less choices in my life. And I think in general, if we all had less choices, we'd be a little more connected and we really kind of stick with whatever we're trying to do, maybe trying to adopt a new habit. And during this pandemic, of course, everyone talks about contact, the lack of contact with people. It seems to have unleashed, though, a whole culture of online connecting, which is an amazing thing, really. Now we're cooking online, we're meeting for a drink online, drinking tea online with friends. Yoga online is everywhere. We've got online book clubs, online philosophy groups. The list goes on and on. 
It's a big world, and we're all very different. Well, at a surface level. Let's not go down that rabbit hole right now, but we are all very, very different. We have different interests. And maybe at times we feel that we don't fit in to certain roles that we play in life. Maybe we can't open up to our immediate circle of friends and family and colleagues. Maybe we feel like we just don't fit in. We don't have an outlet for the way we want to be. We can't speak the way we want to speak because maybe it'll be misconstrued or taken up the wrong way. So, you know, maybe we can't be ourselves around our nearest and dearest and even our extended friends and work colleagues. Maybe we feel that we're boxed in and we don't have the same interests as a lot of our immediate circle. So that's where the need to find our own tribe arises. And it's here that the whole online meeting explosion is finding traction. Right now, we can connect with like-minded people from anywhere in the world. And this is a really important thing to do with uh, mental health and looking after yourself. It's to, it's to have the capacity to be really who you want to be and not to have blinkers on and not to have it dampened down. Uh, and not to try and meet expectations of what people think you should be, but to have that, to have the goal to be able to go out and be the person that you want to be. I mean, take Zoom for as, uh, as an example. Zoom has, well, it's mostly served as a video conferencing platform uh, for businesses and corporations. It's been around since, I guess, 2013 or so. But it's really become a household name and actually almost a verb during this pandemic. If you look at some of the uh, some of the research, uh, the chief marketing officer Janine Pelosi says that Zoom's mission has always been about connecting folks via knowledge and an exchange of ideas. But uh, how much this is happening on the platform today, none of us could have predicted. She says there's been three hundred and fifty five percent growth this year alone. Well, I mean, two thousand twenty. Zoom now regularly sees nearly three million daily meeting participants who are not only working, but hosting, as I said before, happy hours, birthdays, and weddings, etc., on the platform. Meetup, which is another one, a less known one, another global online platform, was created 18 years ago for the express purpose of connecting people to build in-person local communities, which again is a fantastic thing. If you think about it, for the elderly community, for the senior citizens, in March, it began hosting virtual events for the first time ever to meet this shifting need for human connection. We used to say that we use technology to get people off technology. Now we say we use technology to build community, both community online and community in person, says David Siegel, who's one of the co-owners uh, co of Meetup. In its first six months, there's been 1.2 million meetup events with close to 10 million attendees he had. So you see, so these, um, these ways of connecting uh, are really exploding because people are realizing that that's what we need. Essentially, we need that human connection. We need human touch, uh, but we also need human connection. And when it goes, our mental health begins to suffer. Human connection is one of the most primal instincts. And it's been extremely difficult for many, obviously, in our current times. You know, if you think about it, make no mistake, all will be as it was before. Because change, well, as the philosophers say, it's the only thing that we are assured of in this life is change. Everything will change. But in the interim, it's a great time to indulge in the online meeting phenomenon, to keep that most basic of needs alive, human connection. So how do we feel going into this year? Uncertainty all around, fear and anxiety at an all-time high. I mean, I could run a clinic alone on patients with anxiety. There's so much out there. But how are we coping with this? Have we got an outlet? Are we taking care of ourselves? 
Yes, you know, we have our duties. We need to look after our kids, older family members, you know, maybe our immediate circle, friends. But we also need some tending and pruning ourselves. And a lot of the time we don't get this from our close circle. So it's time to take control and to be kind to ourselves. Now, what do we mean by being kind to ourselves? Well, what I'm not talking about is that, you know, the fizzy bath bomb and charcoal face mask type of looking after, the spa retreat for a half a day. No, that's not. That's not what I mean. What we need is a philosophy of self-care, one that will stand the test of time and not fizzle out after a few months. At We Thrive, we always bring everything back to the four pillars. Now, if you remember, the four pillars are, you know, uh, are to do with our mental and our physical health as we see it. So the mind the body, the heart, which is the emotional realm, and the gut, which means our food and our diet. And as we say, they are the four legs of the table. And when all those legs are strong, then the table is strong and it's vital. But when we are deficient in any of the four, we start to become unhinged and unhealthy, both mentally and physically. I mean, we hear it everywhere now. Never before have we had so much information about how to live happily and live healthily. It's everywhere. In the media we consume, it's everywhere. And then sometimes it can be just too much. The images, too many avocado pictures, too many sun-dried tomatoes, too many sun-kissed faces on tropical beaches, too many yoga poses, too many hit classes with mid-twenties perfect bodies and smiles. We need to get real here. I don't blame people for switching off. I actually do myself, and I'm in this business. It seems insurmountable almost impossible to reverse the way we live when we are bombarded with so much. We feel guilty for not making change and then when we do make changes, maybe we can't get to those lofty heights promised on these media platforms and we feel even more guilty about ourselves. We feel guilty that we can't stick to habits that we want to, that we want to start. Maybe the new year has kicked off, we all have these ideas and these habits we wanted to start um, you know, forming. And then we can't. But let's talk about habits. Because if we can stick um, with good habits and get rid of some of our older, maybe not so good habits, this is a form of self-care. So how can we effectively change our habits for the long term? And that's the point, and not the short term, which is where most of us end up. When we embark on trying to adapt a new habit, we all want this rapid success. We want instant gratification. It's the way we live now. Everything is immediate. Patience, unfortunately, is fleeting. So with habits, to try and establish a new habit, whatever it is, if, it's, you, know, if you want to start running this year, maybe you just want to start doing a five-minute run every year, maybe you want to start singing, maybe you want to start learning to play the guitar, anything really, maybe you want to meditate, maybe you want to just have two minutes of mindfulness each day. So no matter what it is, you have to notice, okay? So what happens is we start a new habit and then we fail to notice the small choices and the changes that result because we want the end goal now. So what happens is we start off these habits and even though there are small changes taking place, we don't notice them. We become disillusioned and we stop, even though we've made changes to our our choices, which are the baby steps to success. We we really need to, to remember this. These are the baby steps to success. Small, small steps, small habits, small change of choice. In his fantastic book, The Atomic Habit, um, James Clear 
makes the case for the very next few ideas that we're going to talk about here very clearly, pardon the pun. A lot of us feel that we lack motivation. Okay, with, to do with habits. So we lack motivation to do what we want to do, This form this new habit. We wish we had more motivation to do what we want to do. But maybe what we actually lack is clarity. We don't have a plan. We wait till we feel motivated to start. We wish we felt like running. We wish we felt like reading instead of watching TV. But the motivation doesn't come. Now this is a failed belief system. We need to set plans. We need to mark on our calendars the days when we will run, when we will play the piano, and when we will sit for two minutes and do nothing at all. And then when we don't do it on that date or time, we have a second plan that we will do it the next morning. We need to make plans. You have to have a, a, a whole scheme of what you're going to do ahead of you in the month. And this is the first start. Wanting is the next part. Our immediate physical environment is one of the, the most important factors when it comes to forming new habits. We want to do things that are easy, that require small effort, little effort, and our lives and our houses are set up this way. Look, it's easy to turn on the TV, okay? The remote control is lying around. It's easy to scroll Facebook and Instagram. It's easy to eat junk food. And why? Because we surround ourselves with phones and iPads. The TV remote is right there, as I said. The cupboards are stocked with the food we're trying to avoid. To get rid of bad habits, make it more difficult to do them. So, simple things. Leave the TV unplugged. So, you have, so you know, it's the, a little bit of effort is required to turn it on. Turn off the Wi-Fi in the evening. Have a timer on the Wi-Fi. Turn it off. Don't, just don't buy the junk food. Till the weekends, maybe. Buy the bottle of wine only at the weekends also, whatever. Just make it difficult to continue those habits that you think are not serving you very well. Now, to create good habits, it's the opposite. You want to make it easy for yourself to start. So if you want to become a reader, leave the book on your desk or on your pillow or on the floor in your way. If you want to become a guitarist, leave the guitar in the middle of your room. Don't put it in the corner or in its, in its case. If you want to become a runner, hang your running clothes and trainers on a clothes uh, hook outside of your wardrobe on the wall. Set reminders for yourself. Let's say set reminders on your phone to stop. Stop and practice awareness once a day. Whatever. You know, I mean, there are a ton of apps out there right now that you can use for this to do with uh, mindfulness and meditation. Whatever it is, make it easy. Surround yourself with the tools of your new habit. And then also we need to change the negative recurring thought patterns that we have around making this habit change. This, oh, I really hate running. Oh, I can't stop my mind from wandering when I practice mindfulness. Change the narrative. Get rid of the negativity. It's impossible to make lasting change in the negative environment in your head. Or even with those around you. Okay, third is doing. My favorite phrase is, and my favorite philosophy is, don't just think, or don't think, just do. Okay. So the next time you create the thought, oh, I'm too tired now to do this, I have to do, I have to do too much before I, I start this, I, I've got so many things to do, uh, drop it and just start. Just start. Don't expect an outcome, just do it. Get your attention on the starting line, and don't worry about the finish line. That'll take care of itself over time. 
Just make that choice to start and don't give in to the resistance in your mind because that's the only place it really exists is in your mind. There's no physical impediment in your way. It's just in your head. You are perfectly capable of doing anything you want to do. Don't listen to the voice in your head telling you otherwise. And now let's talk about the fourth aspect of forming a new habit, which is liking. We actually need to like the thing that we want to do. Okay, so, so how do we do this? Well, we want to get the rewards of our efforts. Because when we get a reward, this fortifies and strengthens the likability of what we're doing. Many times the rewards are not seen as quickly as we want and we lose interest. This is a big thing with January when we kick off with this health buzz. We start off and then two weeks later, three weeks later, we're not seeing what we want to see. The body isn't changing. We don't feel any better um, until we lose interest. Forgetting then that we actually are making smaller, smaller changes in the body. So let's say we swim for 20 laps of the pool. And, we, and when we get out, we don't see a physical change in the body. So we get, you know, despondent. But the small changes are taking place in the blood, in the lung capacity, in your cardiovascular system that you don't see. So the thing to do is, to get over this, is to make a note of what you're doing. Write it on your calendar. Each time you, uh, you complete the habit, make a mark on your calendar. So that after a few weeks, when you look back on what you've done and you see progress, which is key, your reward mechanism kicks in and you start to feel good about what you're doing. You get that dopamine response from looking back and saying, well, actually, look at this. I've done 14 days of this straight. The ultimate goal when forming a new habit, according to the book, The Atomic Habit, is to develop a new identity, to identify with the change you're making. So instead of wanting to write a book, just become a writer. Instead of reaching or wanting to reach nirvana, just become a meditator. Think, every time I paint, I'm being an artist. Everything I run, every, every time I run, I'm being a runner. Every time I pause and reflect, I'm being a meditator. Approach it from this angle. Remember, every action you take is a vote for what you want to become. It's that simple. And the more votes that you get, eventually you'll win the election. Just act. Do what you desire to do and you'll become that person. How you act is what you will be. Every great philosophy system from wherever it was in the world has this mantra at its core. How you act is what you will be. So change your habits to how you want to see yourself and how you want to be. Well, I guess that's it for today, folks. I should wrap this up now. But uh, I really hope you found today's topic of some interest to you. I mean, it's so critical right now that we do take care of ourselves. Obviously, you know, with the mind, body, heart and gut, but also just to try and form those new habits. Maybe some of these ideas and tips might be helpful for to try to kickstart you or make a change this year in 2021 uh, from January where we want to change certain things about ourselves and, uh, and have it different to previous years by using some of these techniques. In the end, it all adds up. All of the advice, and, and some of it will stick eventually as we, as we begin to make better choices step by step on a road to taking care of ourselves and living in a way through good habits where prevention of disease, let's say, or anything is preferable and better than cure. Let's not wait till the horse is out of the gate. Start now, piece by piece, to make a lasting change. 
It just might help you to live well, live happily, and live long. See you next time.